exciting episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen with me, Georgia Simmons, the host of the podcast. So this week, I'm joined by Owen, co-founder and CEO of Goodrays, the CBD brand bringing CBD to the mainstream. Not only is Owen the founder of one of the main CBD brands in the UK, but he has been working in the CBD industry for a decade, getting involved in the regulatory side, medical cannabis, and a lot more. I have wanted to get a guest on the podcast for some time now who is in the CBD space in order for me to ask them some burning questions that I have, as well as understand CBD a bit better in terms of how it works and why it's so good for us. And honestly, I couldn't have a better person join me in my kitchen than Owen, as he really is the font of all knowledge as well as being super passionate. So I have always been a little bit skeptical about CBD as being the control freak that I am, as well as the word relax not really coming into my vocabulary, I wasn't particularly interested in anything that was going to chill me out. However, in the past few months, I've had a few things going on. Anxiety has been increased and CBD has been one of those things that I've actually looked for in order to get rid of the anxiety. I'm super excited for you to hear this conversation with Owen, as I hope, like me, you will learn a lot. So please sit back, enjoy, and of course, have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Owen, thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen. How are you? I'm very well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm really excited about this conversation. So before we start, do you mind giving a really quick elevator pitch? who you are, what you do. Yeah, sure. So I'm Owen, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Goodrays. Um, we're the UK's fastest growing CBD brand and one of the fastest growing soft drinks in the country. Uh, my background is a little bit funny. I've, I've worked in CBD for a decade now, probably one of the wow. longest serving uh, people in the industry. So um, I got into CBD because I was diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder in my early 20s. Uh, I had insomnia. Um, and I was really looking for like natural solutions to mental health issues, to wellness issues, to mental well-being issues. Something that was like long-term sustainable that was natural that I could incorporate into my diet, and that I could change other parts of my lifestyle as well to work around that. And it just had such a massive impact on my own life. You know, I I say here now I haven't slept badly in seven years. You know, wow, yeah. and you had insomnia, and now you haven't slept badly. Yeah, in seven years. so I had insomnia at university and was using CBD at night, um, and was also exercising more, changed my diet, and yeah, I haven't slept slept badly. I think you get into a good cycle of of solid sleep, um, and you know it's, it's stressful having your own business. So yeah, I'm I'm really grateful for that as well. And I think with anxiety as well, I've I found it massively change over time. Like it's up it's up and down as it always is, but. I don't think ten, you know, seven, and eight, nine years ago, I'd be able to do this kind of stuff. I probably wouldn't be able to do, you know, public speaking stuff. You know, maybe would have struggled to to start a business myself. But I think having the having the CBD, having those changes to my lifestyle, have made such a massive difference. And uh, so yeah, my my background is really focused on the CBD space. When I came across it, started using it. I studied it at university um, as part of my dissertation, and I really just went to California and Canada pretty much straight after university to understand okay these are the blueprint markets this is where it's happening this is where you can learn from and I worked with the cultivators the manufacturers the dispensaries the brands and I think coming out of that I was like this is going to be a global consumer wellness good um, and came back to the UK in 2016 uh, where there wasn't really much of an industry to speak of uh, CBD had just been deregulated as a, a narcotic in Europe and so I got involved in the regulatory side so I helped 
helped start up a group called Prohibition Partners, which became Europe's biggest uh, management consultancy and advisory firm for CBD and for medical cannabis. Um, and then we kind of helped shape the regulations. We helped get medical cannabis legalized in, in the UK. Um, and really just was constantly looking like, how, when is the right time to start a consumer brand? What kind of consumer brand should we be starting? And really when we started to think about good rays and I really wanted something that was premium, that was obviously a lifestyle brand as well. Like our goal is to yet to be sold everywhere, to be properly mainstream, to educate the consumer on CBD, to be and to convert people who don't know about CBD, don't even know about you know cannabis or hemp, and talk about CBD and educate them as well, and remove the stigma around the plant and the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really went for the kind of aspirational lifestyle brand, but I suppose we also wanted to be backed by that efficacy so you know all our products we look really specifically at dosage like are we providing the right dose for the customer all our drinks contain 30 milligrams which is kind of twice the market average um and the reason we do that is because i'm a bit obsessive around cbd obviously as a user and and you know where i've always worked and we looked at the clinic clinical studies behind that and we found actually the best place to to really dose was around 25 to 30 milligrams. When we looked at all the clinical studies, like that's where we could see efficacy of CBD working on stress, insomnia, anxiety, um, particularly when taken daily as well. Um, so we've obviously focused on you know, more premium, higher dosages. And once we had that positioning, we really just focused on like distribution and scaling. Can we get this into everyone? We, we believe it's a great product, you know, the mm-hmm. liquids are, we think tastes great and are really adult and fill a non-alc market but also a health and wellness market and yeah we're now um the only cbd drink supplier to tesco um, wow. which is great amazing yeah uh we're the only brand with a full range so drinks oils and gummies within waitrose um we're one of three brands launched within wh smith um one of 10 brands on amazon and uh, yeah, we have a few other launches coming up, which I probably shouldn't talk about now. That's fine. Amazing. There's so much to get into here. And I kind of want to start by going back a bit to your journey to CBD. And I know you kind of briefly covered it just then, but like going back in a bit more detail, how did you first come about CBD? And when did you first try it? And when did you think oh, this is working for me. Like, let's go right back to the beginning. Yeah, take me back now. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's around 23, so it would have been eight years ago now. Um, and uh, yeah, just coming out of university and starting to, you know, kind of struggle with anxiety, insomnia, I suppose a little bit lost in like what I really wanted to do was my final year. And I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and um, a trouble sleeping. And at that point I was like, okay, this is, I think it's kind of challenging when you hear that at first, mm. um, where you think, oh, it's it's probably just a temporary thing rather than, you know, I think when you put a disorder on anything, it sounds a bit more scary. And so I started looking at like, okay, what are alternative methods to help manage stress and anxiety? And I'd heard a lot about I mean, I heard a lot about medical cannabis and a lot about hemp and CBD from the US. Um, so I managed to find uh, some CBD oils in, in Dublin and Ireland. Uh, not where you'd buy them these days. They were probably a little bit more made in the kind of kitchen shed. Uh, 
and it was yeah it was really interesting to start to try it you know it was didn't taste like it tasted right now you know now we have really strong formulations we have bitterness blockers we have all sorts of coconut oil and stuff that makes it taste a lot better than it did but it was super bitter and I remember thinking okay this is you know this would be interesting how is it going to affect me is it is it going to give me a psychoactive experience or is it going to when is it going to start working and I think I started using it daily as I was recommended to do and after about a month or two months I, st- I started to feel quite a bit better um and I implemented other changes I said like diet and exercise and that kind of stuff um and at that point I was like wow this is quite interesting started doing a lot more research into CBD which is taking off in the US people were talking about it there was clinical studies from as far back as like the mid 90s um because it'd been a ban for m- most cannabis research and clinical studies like post-prohibition of cannabis in like the 1960s uh, really driven by the US but before that there was a huge amount of research into medical cannabis CBD how it affects creativity how it affects anxiety how it affects stress and sleep so I was going back over a lot of that stuff and I incorporated that into my dissertation in the final year I was like right how has this happened like what is the global policy on CBD and on cannabis where has that come from like what are the sociological factors that have contributed to that um and that's when I started to become yeah as you could probably tell a little bit obsessed with it and I think from from that point I was really interested like okay I need to go find out where this is made how this is made what does like a you know a free market look like in the US and in in Canada particularly in California um so yeah I went went straight from university to British Columbia spent a year there and then went down to um a place in the called Humboldt County which uh for those of you that know it, or for people who know it, it's like basically a place where 90% of their economy is CBD, hemp, and, and cannabis. And this is like a county as big as like Greater London, if not bigger. So it's a really interesting place, and that's where the best cultivators. And I think from that point, I was just kind of hooked on it. Yeah, amazing. One of my questions was, why do you feel so passionate about it? But I feel like you've kind of just answered that, because I think... I feel like you saw something in the CBD world before a lot of other people did. I feel like you were super early on this. And I feel like maybe that's why, you, why you've become so passionate about it because you've, you've really dug deep into the whole history, the whole regulation. Mm. Um, and also proof is in the pudding, like you've also seen firsthand the effect of how good it is. Would you kind of say that's why why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, like I think I think from a personal point of view, like the the product itself and the the benefits have made such a massive impact on me. I think as well, like I've always kind of been interested in the narrative and the story of like, okay, why was this criminalized? Like, why was this regulated as a narcotic? I've probably always had a little bit of an issue with authority as well, like. Mm. Uh, and I think, yeah, trying to think about like counterculture and new ways of doing things and, and innovation, that's stuff that really excited me as well. Mm-hmm. I think when I was reading more back about, yeah, like all the implications of the hemp industry and in CBD of like the social, the health, the, the crime, like all these elements just made like, okay, this is an obvious thing to really dig into from a policy perspective, from a social perspective, and then obviously from a product perspective as well. And I, you know, if I could have some hand in bringing this product to people that really need it or can really value it like that would be plenty for me Mm. but then also simultaneously if you can change the stigma and if you can change people's perception about plant and 
you know increase people's education around plant like that's so interesting yeah why is it so highly regulated why has it been so highly regulated i mean it's like it's a really long story like as far back as you go like it it really starts from like the 1960s uh Richard Nixon turning against um, the hippie movement, which was, uh, you know, anti-government, anti-authority, particularly against his campaign. Um, So Nixon in particular, like he ran a a strong campaign to outlaw cannabis, to basically criminalise and penalise hippies, partly so they couldn't vote against him, right? Because if you have a criminal record in the US, you can't vote. Um, So... That was one of the reasons they they, they did that um, because of the hippie movement. And prior to this point, like it was a really well researched plant. It was uh, really part of med- medical and clinical studies. And I think that kind of counterculture to standard government, to big alcohol, to big tobacco. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of which I won't go into now. But there was a lot of different elements which which led it to being outlawed. And the U.S. really led that and then put pressure on international markets to do the same because i suppose back in the 60s and 70s the u.s really led the the reform on drug policy so what the u.s did most of the world did and they put a lot of pressure on other places to do that so that meant killing off of um you know clinical studies and meant criminalizing of of thc and and cannabis but also cbd and hemp mm-hmm. um so that's that's kind of where it started, and only recently has that started to be untangled. Really, starting with hemp and and uh, and CBD, because hemp actually is such an interesting crop. Like, yeah. uh, you know, obviously, it's it's not psychoactive in terms of it contains less than 0.3 percent THC, but it also can be used for it can be used for card paper. It can be used for cardboard, like merchandise. Like we use all our T-shirts and all our. Um, tote bags are made out of hemp mm. um, and you can use things like hemp plastic and it's also 10 times more sustainable than growing trees because it's such a strong carbon sequester and it also binds the soil so that if you have say like a um, an arid field that you want to rejuvenate the soil for, for, for further growth you can you can plant hemp to rebind that topsoil for future uh, crop use for you know whether it's wheat anything else um so yeah it's super interesting plant and that's started to change now i think so cbd has in terms of the regulations have changed a bit over time and i think will continue to be changed as we will become more aware of the benefits of it but i think you've been involved in a lot of the different policies um how has the regulations changed recently how Obviously, it was like banned and it was quite mm. taboo topic. And you know, CBD is now becoming a lot more popular. So, how has the regulations changed? Yeah. So originally, like, like CBD as a as a molecule, as a cannabinoid, was deregulated as a narcotic by the WHO. So they said, yeah, look, this is safe. It shouldn't be considered as a narcotic. Um, then what they did in different regions. So at the European level, they said, well. It's deregulated as a narcotic. Like, how is it going to be used? And people started to use it in oils and ingestibles. So they said, okay, well, we're going to regulate this as a novel food. And a novel food basically is any food that uh, hasn't been regularly consumed prior to 1997 in Europe. Um, So chia seeds is a a good example of another novel food, which is previously novel. 
Uh, and what your, your, the European uh, Food State Standards Agency basically said is it needs to go through a process to be validated and fully market authorised as a novel food. Um, and the UK matched that. So the UK, obviously, FSA broke away from the EU FSA, um, you know, post-Brexit. But they originally were set up pretty much the same infrastructure. Um, so it's been re regulated as a novel food. And to be regulated as a novel food, basically what you need to do is you need to submit... Um, and show you have safety. You can produce the product safely. You can produce the product consistently as well um, in the same specification. Um, and yeah, that it's not, you know, your toxicology reports, etc., for for humans are safe. Um, and yet, and then us as a brand who use CBD, we need to show that we can manufacture consistently and safety, safely as well. Mm. So we've gone through that process now, the, the majority of it. Um, we didn't know how long it would take initially. It's quite a long process, though, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, well, it's there are a lot of CBD brands in the UK, or there were a lot of CBD brands in the UK, and the novel foods team in the UK is is smaller, right? So they're they're limited in the capacity of how many brands they could validate at one time. So they put a bit of a lockdown on the on the market to say mm. all the brands that were on the market pre thirteenth of February twenty twenty would be allowed to be processed and and validated. And now we're yeah three years on, three and a half years on. And that lockdown is still in place. We do expect it to open up in 18 months where new products can enter the market, new brands can enter the market. Uh, but we are now at a stage where we've validated the majority of the brands who, who are going through to full market authorization. So, I mean, it's great It's great to be a part of that, right? To yeah. be that first wave of, you know, CBD novel foods in the market, you know, Definitely. but also the first people to bring cannabis-based and CBD-based products into retail. Like, that's yeah. quite, I think, exciting for us as the brand. Definitely. Can you still trade if you haven't been authorised? So, products that are on the public list and are validated are fully legal to be traded. Mm -hmm. So, most of the products you see out there will be at a validated status. Fine. Now, validated status comes before full market authorization, which we expect to happen in about 18 months. Once it's fully market authorized, we also believe Europe is going to open up as well. Um, okay. So what will likely happen, what we believe will happen, is probably 18, 24 months. At the European level, they will pass CBD as a, as a novel food through to mar full market authorization. And then the EFSA goes out to EU member states um and recommends them that yes cbd is now 100 percent legal for european markets in the uk the fsa has already said yeah if you're validated and you have a, va a validated application for a novel food you can still be traded so okay. most of the products and all the big retailers and etc will will be validated um however though if you're not on a public list if you're not in any of the stages of the public list uh you shouldn't be trading yeah Fine. so you may see brands online you may see brands in independent stores but they won't be listed in big retailers fine so is it right to say that in 18 months we'll probably see an influx of maybe some new brands out there is that likely to happen yeah that's what we expect okay um we believe there will be a, a mechanism and a process for new brands and new products to launch um, we're still waiting on what that looks like exactly, mm -hmm. but we do expect that to open up eventually. Okay, interesting. So I now want to touch on the plant itself because I read something where you said that there's no other plant that has the same human benefits out there. So talk about the kind of plant itself and like why is it so good for uh, humans and also the planet? 
Yeah, well, I think it's it's one of the most interesting plants, we believe, because I suppose, A, it's one of the oldest agricultural crops in the world. I mean, this goes back to Mesopotamia. Um, it can be used for so many different uses. So our long-term vision is like, how can we use all the elements of this plant to create a fully circular, sustainable economy for, for the ZBD industry, but also for good race? So can we create hemp, grow hemp, which is a really strong carbon sequester in that process, really strong at binding topsoil, as we talked about, um, extract CBD from those plants, and then use those fibers to create merchandise, rope, building materials, and then contribute back to this circular economy, right? So, you know, most of Good Rays, whether it's packaging, merchandise, marketing, is built off of the same plant. That's the long-term wow. goal. Um, which would be great. And then also to encourage our customers, right, for different products sold, we plant more hemp. Now, the regulations don't yet permit for something like this, but we expect them to change in the future where we can create this circular economy because, yeah, it's there's so many uses for this plant. There's so many cannabinoids within, you know, hemp and within cannabis, which are really, really interesting. Um, I do genuinely believe, like, the potential of it is... is pretty much boundless like mm. your cbd is one of 120 cannabinoids within the cannabis plant and you know it's one of the ones that we know the most about and it's one of the most prevalent and we know how effective it can be but where does that where does that end you know what else is there in that yeah. we know there's probably, you know probably 500 uses of hemp fabrics and materials you know, again where does that end what does that look like in the future you've got bmw you've got levi's all using hemp materials now in their in their products um, because they're super sustainable you know they're a lot less water intensive than cotton you know for merchandise they're a lot stronger and um, a lot more durable um, and they're just better for the environment as well in terms of that carbon sequestering mm, and, and topsoil amazing i'm going to ask a really stupid question now but what is the difference between hemp cbd and cannabis because i feel like they're all coming from the same plant but it's different parts of the plant do you mind explaining a bit about that no it's it's a good question and it's something we get asked quite a lot so so cannabis has three families really like the, the overall cannabis plant has three families hemp is one of those families right um and usually it's called industrial hemp or cannabis ruderalis uh, which i won't bore you with the latin names of all the different plants but um cbd is prevalent in all three families under cannabis but at different rates right and the real difference between hemp is that it has really low thc content so thc is a psychoactive uh, right so that's the one that will make you feel high so cannabis obviously has a high thc and hemp has a low thc yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah exactly that's pretty much it yeah so um in hemp you don't get thc above 0.3 percent or at least the crops that are allowed to be grown, the hemp strains that are allowed to be grown, don't contain any more than 0.3%. Okay, okay, interesting. And so the difference mainly between weed and CBD in these drinks is literally the THC content. Yeah, THC. And there okay. are, you know, in weed there are other cannabinoids as well. There mm -hmm. are THCV, there's CBN, CBG, etc. The value of CBD and why it's so safe and why no one has psychoactive experiences on CBD is because we isolate CBD from the rest of the cannabinoids. Right. So it's just CBD. We understand CBD, you know, as well as any of the other cannabinoids, and we know it's it's non-psychoactive as well. It doesn't create a high-like moment. Okay. Now, I find that weed has a distinctive smell, 
like I can smell it. If I'm walking in the park, I'm like, I can smell. But if I open this drink, I don't get that smell. Yeah. So how, firstly, why does this weed smell like that? And secondly, why don't I taste that when I'm having a CBD drink? Yeah, it's a good question. So weed has what's called terpenes, right? So terpenes are essentially different combinations of flavors and they come from different um, families. So there's like there's like a kind of citrusy lemon fla- um, family. There's a, a pine, there's like a pepper one. So you have you have basically like I think there's an on average you have 40 to 60 terpenes in in a different cannabis strain. So you're basically getting 40 to 60 different smells in a cannabis strain, which is why it's so hard to replicate that smell mm-hmm. because it's such a complicated such a complicated flower and bud that it's um it creates these really interesting smells. The reason you don't have that in a in a beverage is because when you isolate CBD, you isolate and remove a lot of those terpenes as well. So you really remove the the weed smell and flavor um, to get an, a CBD isolate component as well. And then, yeah, by by design as well, you know, you could, of course, go that route and have a, a fully cannabis based drink, which tastes and smells like cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also want to, you know, we want this to be properly mainstream, right? We want to appeal to people who understand about the plant. But we also want to appeal to people who are just looking for health and wellness solutions yeah. like you know, like a lot of our customers are, like a lot of our community are as well. And we don't want to alienate people who are nervous around the plant as well. We want to educate them, but we don't want to alienate them. Yeah, sure. If I was to have like five good ray drinks in a day, is there a chance that I could suddenly be like, ooh, I'm feeling something here like i'm feeling a little bit like could you overdose basically is the question no the who have confirmed that you can't overdose because it's basically non-toxic is how they describe it so you can't create an overdose like scenario from drinking you know five of these drinks you're actually in on the pharmaceutical side if you had a uh, you know lennox gastro syndrome if you had epilepsy you might be prescribed cbd with 150, 200, 300, 1,000 milligrams, mm-hmm. um, which you can take relatively regularly, which they say doesn't have any severe adverse effects. Okay. Um, so in, your, in short, no. Fine. So we're talking a lot about like health and wellness. Why is CBD good for us? Why should we be encouraged to take CBD in our diet? Yeah, so to start with, I suppose, everybody has what's called like an endocannabinoid system, right? So every human body has this endocannabinoid system. And what it really does is regulate the body and maintains homeostasis, so balance within the body. So it helps to support vital functions, whether that's your nervous system, digestive system, sleep system, etc. Um, you can supplement that endocannabinoid system with phytocannabinoids, i.e. CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also support it from running, right? So running actually exercise supports the endocannabinoid system which is why they call like a runner's high you know and it's not a massively dissimilar you don't get the same endorphins that you get from exercise but that kind of more relaxed body that decreased anxiety and stress is not dissimilar to a healthy endocannabinoid system from cbd so cbd helps to support those vital functions in the body um one of being you know decreasing your body's natural uh anxiety and stress system right so you're less sensitive to external stresses um, okay. and that's actually why it helps you sleep at night right it isn't because it's a sedative it isn't because it's drowsy it's because you're less anxious at night you're less you're thinking less your body is less tense that's why you sleep better and longer 
Um, and those are the kind of key areas. There's other areas about inflammation, which it supports, so it helps your body tackle inflammation and help with muscle recovery. Um, so it helps to support those vital functions. But yeah, really, we one of the interesting things we find is that stress, anxiety, recovery, and, and sleep peace. Amazing. And if someone listening is quite new to CBD and nervous around it, like that was definitely me until kind of a month ago, hadn't touched it, everyone kept saying, gee, try CBD, you're quite like a, I'm, I'm quite on it all the time, like I don't mm. like to relax, relax is not something that I tend to do very often, everyone's like, try it, try it, and I'm like, no, 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 don't need it, don't need it, but I actually did try it, and actually I did see, uh, the benefits were amazing, mm. so for anyone who is new to it, how would you recommend them start their kind of CBD journey? Yeah, well, I, well, I think the idea of a drink is really interesting to us, and one of the reasons we started with the drink is because it's really low risk it's really accessible for consumers right you know exactly how much cbd you're getting in this can right and getting in this liquid it's at a relatively low price point so it's risk-free right you're not buying a bottle of 50 70 100 for you know for some reason if it doesn't work for you you can enter through a you know a two pound 50 two pound 99 drink um and you know exactly what you're getting and it's a really interesting and enjoyable experience um I would also say like find an oil which is distributed by a bigger retailer as well because you're going to have that trustworthy factor whether it's Amazon, Tesco, Waitrose, etc. Um, and make sure that they're telling you about the dosage, right? You're, you're really clear on the dosage, you're really clear on the steps. Take a look at their blog, take a look at their journal, like do they have really clear traceability on product? Do they have are they educating you about the product as well? Mm. Do they look like they know what they're talking about? I think it's yeah important to see like that they're part of that. They're doing the educational piece. They have the trustworthiness. And then their product actually stacks up as well. Um, and that you have really clear dosage. One of the things we've noticed a lot on CBD oils is that a lot of CBD oils tend to tell you, have a few drops of this, two or three drops. But actually, when you look at the content of CBD they're consuming, which can be quite confusing, whether it's a percentage or a milligram, we just focus on milligrams because we know what the dose of milligrams is per day that people want. Um, with something like this, like we tell people, actually, what you need is a full dropper. You need one milliliter, and there's a um, there's a, a an actual markings on the pipette to show that that's exactly how much you're taking. When you're taking a few drops here and there, it ends up being a low milligram percentage. So. Um, yeah, make sure you have really clear dosage, the product is credible and the brand is credible. Okay, good advice. So with the process of starting Goodrays, how's it been? Obviously, you know, starting a business isn't easy, mm. but how has it been starting Goodrays? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've really loved it. Like it's been, it's been amazing. It's been, I think, one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. And maybe I think from, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to have my own thing. Mm. Um, so it's been it's been exciting. Like, it is really challenging. Like, it's particularly hard to start, uh, you know, I think a food and drink brand is one of the most competitive brands, as you'll know, to, yeah. to start. Uh, it's, it's capital intensive. It's extremely competitive. Um, but I think I've been really lucky, particularly to build such a great team like we have such an amazing team of experts which we always in our hiring policy like we go relatively lean we don't have a huge big massive bloated team but we bring in specialists we believe are you know have skills and experiences that we don't have and that can educate us you know and i kind of like to bring in people that 
know much more about their area than I do. And mm. I think having that team has been super supportive, but also, yeah, really educational for me as well. You mm. know, food and drink isn't necessarily my background. CBD is my background. So bringing all these food and drink people in has been super super um, rewarding so yeah I've, I've loved the experience i mean i think anyone who's in a growing business or brand like that's that is the fun bit you yeah. know we're i suppose super strategic and well thought out and really focused on what are the key drivers what are the key challenges we try not to get distracted which i think mm. helps a lot which yeah a lot of brands can do and it can be really easy to do mm. um and just bring in yeah good people you know that we're all aligned on our on a relatively simple strategy, right? It's yeah. there's no there's not a huge amount of competition in the market. No. There's a lot of retailers that want this. It's a great product. It sells. Like the yeah. data works. Like when we show, when we go into one place and open up a case study, you know, it, that's really encouraging. That's a bit that encourages. Like when we see our sales in Tesco or in Waitrose, um, or on Amazon even, is like this is huge repeat purchase rate. And this outsells like a lot of vitamin drinks, you know, natural energy drinks. Mm. And it does that so quick as well, right? It's a new category and it's already outgrowing other categories. It's already being the key driver within functional drinks. It's out, yeah, outselling all these kind of long-standing brands. That's the bit that really excites us and gives us confidence. Yeah, having a product that sells itself sounds like obvious, mm. but it sometimes isn't. And actually that's just amazing that you have that so i want to talk about the quality of the cbd in goodrays where did you go to get your cbd from because i feel like quality of the cbd plant is probably key to the taste the benefits the everything mm. so how did you go about your journey of getting the right cbd for goodrays yeah well i think i, I was very fortunate to have spent so long in CBD and in uh, medical cannabis prior to Goodray. So, you know, I knew where the best cultivators were. I knew where the best manufacturers were. You know, I spent two years in those kind of key markets. So we we get everything grown from Colorado hemp farms, um, produced to the highest food grade you can possibly get in terms of CBD. Um, so it all comes from Colorado, from the leading supplier of CBD and um, hemp-based cannabinoids. Amazing, really, really cool. And did you already, when you started Good Race, were you like, I know exactly where I'm going to, did you already know exactly where you're going to, yeah? Yeah, yeah, pretty much I, I knew, bef you know, before we jumped into it because I'd been working in the regulatory space. I've been working with a lot of North American providers as well about, you know, coming into Europe and understanding Europe. And I've been working with different governments about like, what kind of specification do you want? You know, what are you looking for in terms of the future of the market? Mm. Um, so yeah, pretty much day one, we knew where we were going to go. Amazing competition so there isn't much competition out there but if i was to find like think of the competitive for you guys i'd say trip how do you guys compare how do you guys find your where are you both in the market yeah i think the key differentiator from a from a product perspective is is the dosage piece right mm -hmm. um we are at 30 milligrams there are 15 milligrams um as so we went for that higher dosage which is a bit of an investment early on but I suppose our our punt is that, you know, as the market develops, as CBD uh, users develop, they will come up to higher dosages. They require higher, higher dosages. We kind of see that at the moment, and we see that in the US as well. People tend to go for higher dosages, um, and we also looked at the clinical, like the clinical data that we saw said twenty five to thirty is really where we need to be at. I suppose our view on drinks is that, you know, if you want to go and have a functional beverage. 
um, which by the way, I think all functional ingredients are probably going to be in beverages in the future. Um, when you want to go and have a functional beverage, whether it's a green tea, whether it's a coffee, whether it's a, a beer or kombucha, you want to go and feel the full benefits mm-hmm. in, a, in a single dose. That's why we're really keen on like, okay, can we offer a more premium, more a higher dosage basically? Yeah, no, completely. So I've got kind of two questions for you. Where do you see CBD going in the future is the first one. Like what's next for this world of CBD? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, like I think in the short term, it's going to grow, short to medium term, it's going to grow quite drastically because we know multiple retailers are taking it on. We know it's growing so fast. I mean, yeah, two of the fastest growing soft drinks brands, according to Nielsen, are both CBD drinks brands. And this didn't exist three years ago. So the, the market is massively taking off. Consumers are, are loving it. Like our repeat purchase rate online is like 40%. You know, um, it's going to open up from a retail perspective. It's going to open up from an advertising perspective because Facebook, Instagram, Google are going to open up advertising platforms, um, and then it'll open up at a European level. So we 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 are literally on that hockey stick curve, right? Yeah. Where we've we've got the momentum. We're nearly moving out of that startup phase into that scale up phase at the moment, which yeah. I think is really exciting. Like where CBD as a category will go from a product perspective. Like we did see it go a little bit mad like two years ago where you could get CBD in leggings and pillowcases and stuff. Like my my personal view is that, yeah, people look for beverages for functional ingredients. You know, no one goes to Honda Barrett and buys caffeine pills, right? You go and get coffee. Well, maybe yeah. maybe you do. Maybe you put something well, in Well, yeah, um, I mean, I agree. I think you'd get coffee. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's... I think it beverages will be the key part. I do think, you know, there'll probably be other types of foods which will experiment with it. It's probably too early to know exactly what'll mm. catch on. Gummies has been a big one for mm. us because they're really delicious, they're really well dosed. You can share them. Um, they're fast acting as well because of the way you digest them. So I think gummies, oils and drinks will continue to be the key drivers. Where else it'll well end up, whether it gets into, you know, ice cream or bread like we talked about mm-hmm. early earlier i think we'll just have to see yeah. yeah i think the future of the market as well is like it, it'll have that growth and it does be the key product categories for the moment but i think what will also be interesting is where else do we go from a cannabinoids perspective as well mm-hmm. right cbd is one of 120 do we start to look at other ones do we start to understand oh, more crazy, about them? Isn't yeah it? 120 and 120 and that research is being done now at universities like and will continue to be for the next 10 years so looking at exactly what they do you know and it's it's super exciting to keep an eye on that research as well about like with a view to five ten years whether it's the right thing for good or the right thing for for me to do but um yeah it's always good to be aware and kind of you know have your eye to, on that r&d definitely and the other part of the question was what's next for good where do you see it going i mean a lot of it probably you might not be able to share but like yeah what's kind of like have you got up your sleeve for good rays where are you where's your dream for it like yeah i think the dream has always been like can we can we be fully distributed nationwide can it be accessible five minutes from you know 95 percent of the population's house yeah um we have a few more retailers to get on board and launch with um obviously there's certain things i can say and certain things i can't say 
but I feel very positive about that distribution piece. Mm -hmm. um, and then I suppose it's the other piece of like, can we continue to educate consumers? Can we get in front of more consumers? Like the key thing is trial. Like mm -hmm. we're so impressed by that repeat purchase rate, by the, the kind of love and affinity consumers have for the brand we just need to get it out there more you know yeah. more of the same really and you know we don't have to do anything crazy there's no silver bullet it's just keep doing the same stuff mm. getting it into more people's hands getting more people to trial it um you know that's the uk strategy you know at some point there'll be a proper international strategy but i'm also wary of spreading ourselves too thin we don't yeah. do that um there's no point we, we're much better off which we're doing now is like having serious traction in one market building a blueprint in the case study then for international markets yeah. rather than just reactively selling you know a few pallets or truckloads into different places you know 100%. we want to go in understand that consumer really strategically build out that country um yeah rather than a kind of scattergun approach so yeah. we will open up on international um uh, but you know post uk and yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's interesting being in a regulated market because that dictates a lot of what you can do. So True. Um, we'll see what happens from the European level. Uh, we'll see what happens in the future cannabinoid level as well. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. And also being one of the first regulated brands is like huge yeah. in the space. Yeah. So it's super exciting. And also because you've got such a passion for the regulatory side and your ears to the ground on the R&D side, I feel like that gives you a natural advantage because it's not like, oh, God, I better check in on how that's good. Like, you're so keen to grow with the market, with the trend, with the process. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah, 100%. And it was a bit of a, like, a pinch-me moment when we launched, I think, in Tesco originally, where we were the first CBD drink in Tesco, like, the, yeah. what are they, the third fourth biggest retailer in in the world it's crazy yeah like it's, i feel like it, we're very much at the beginning of the cbd movement yeah i'm not saying trend is not a trend like we mentioned earlier it's not leaving it's definitely here to stay yeah and it's, i don't think it's a trend at all and i think that's something we get challenged you know by journalists reporters like is this a trend yeah i think it's a it's a valid question to ask but I think what we're looking at is like we're looking at a wholesale shift in consumer behavior right in terms yeah. of you know we're moving away i think we talked a little bit earlier is away from that kind of like you know escapism world that maybe more millennials and older generations would be focused on of like you know letting loose on friday saturday to basically escape from some of the more challenging stuff in the week and yeah. actually looking at like how do we just live better lives like how do we have a better life satisfaction how do we balance that out over time mm. And people, and particularly Gen Z, and you know, a lot of millennials are now saying, "Well, actually, let's look at wellness. Let's look at mental wellness and physical wellness." And when we talk about wellness and well-being, they are the same thing. Consumers think about them as physical and mental; they're both just as important. Mm. And people just want to be more satisfied, be in a better mood, and a lot of that comes from less anxiety, less stress, better sleep, more clarity and focus. Like that leads to better life satisfaction and if we can provide those tools to people to achieve that i mean that's such a great thing to be a part of yeah you're you're changing people's lives by creating <laughs> products for them to have and having the right distribution everywhere for everyone to be able to access it is like the answer to all of those kind of yeah questions and i think i think the key thing is then like being super accessible being in meal deals is a big thing for us yes. like can we be accessible can we drive style but also like can we give people 
proper amounts of CBD in an affordable format as well, which I think the industry has struggled with before because you know, we were originally selling bottles of oil of 50, 70, 100 milligrams. You know, CBD was only accessible to people in Selfridges, right, or people who shop in Selfridges. Yeah. It needs to be accessible to everyone, right? Like yeah. wellness shouldn't be, it shouldn't be inaccessible and shouldn't be tiered. Um, it needs to be properly mainstream and everyone yeah. should be able to access well-being and wellness products yeah it shouldn't be a luxury it should just yeah. be a necessity yeah exactly for sure so we always finish with a final question which is bringing you all back to food again uh which is what would your last meal be start a main course and dessert i'm massively putting you on the spot um but what would your last meal be my last meal be um it's a very good question is this like a prison meal? Am I on death row? Yeah. Wow. It's quite intense. It's a lot to consider. It's a lot to consider. Um, do I get a beverage? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, one thing I make, which I which I really like, is like homemade pasta with like fresh prawns, mm. garlic, red chili. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of my favorite things to make. And my mum made me like a prawns and pasta was my favorite thing when I was a kid. My mum okay, used to make nice. that. Uh, so this is kind of my version of it but like you I mean you get it anywhere right it's yeah. like an Italian garlic chili uh, homemade pasta and and prawns with the shell on very important okay yeah important step. is this as a starter like Italian like primi or is this a, a main course uh, oh yeah good point because um, you could go all out as it's your last meal you know what I'm going to go for that as a starter yeah and then for a main I'm going to go I'm going to switch um, cuisines and I'm going to go for a uh, a katsu curry, chicken katsu curry. You know what? No one said that yet. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, there's so many flavors in a chicken katsu yeah. curry. Yeah. A good one is incredible. Um, and then for a beverage, I'll have, I'll have a nice glass of cold white wine. Lovely. With the pasta. Yeah, good yeah. one. And dessert? Oh, dessert tiramisu. Oh, well done great yeah, one yeah, smashed yeah. it oh that thank was you. great yeah, yeah. Erin thank you so much I feel like I've just asked a load of personal questions that I was so <laughs> intrigued about so I re- I'm sure other people are going to be like oh yes I needed the answers to these questions I'm so excited for you guys and the whole CBD movement I would never ever have thought I would be a consumer of CBD ever because I was just like no 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 not for me and I think it's the unknown and mm. I guess CBD is this unknown thing which is now coming about more and more and more and I'm now straight on the bandwagon I love it I think it's fantastic and what you guys have created is really cool so thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything I've loved it oh thanks so much for having me I really enjoyed it thank you guys so much for listening and I hope this conversation may have answered some questions you had around CBD or taught you a few things that you didn't know If you enjoyed this episode, please could I ask you to share it to a friend or family member that you think would also enjoy it, or even better, share it on your socials in order to help me spread the word of the podcast. I have such exciting plans for the podcast, and so the more you guys can support and spread the word, the better. Thank you guys so much again, and see you next week.